0: Hi, friends, this is episode 45 of the Bible Lab Podcast.
1: You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hey,
0: everybody, I am so excited to welcome you into a brand new series. It's called Kingdom Tales, and it's all about Jesus' parables. You're going to love it. We launch in this episode the very first parable ever recorded from the words of Christ. And when you hear some of the unique things that Jesus did to help us not only understand this parable, but to understand why he tells parables at all... It's going to change your perspective quite a bit. I want to encourage you to go to our website, thebiblelab.com, and make sure that you get your study guide, because there's a few things on there that I want to make sure that you don't miss as well. We're just delighted that you're part of this journey. Thanks so much for being with us, and welcome to The Bible Lab. go. Number one, you ready? All right, here we go. Number one, people who speak in metaphors and don't just get to the point drive me crazy. Oh, look at this. Just get to the, you are a just get to the point. Why, what are you doing with me? I'm sorry, because I'm seeing about 75% of this crowd saying, Pastor Rice, just get to the point. And David said, amen. I object says Roy to the attorney. Number two, preachers who only speak in theological terms with no stories bore me. Ah, so you do want me to go on and on with the stories because about 75 to 80% of you say yes. You got to have some narrative in there somewhere. You don't want to be bored just listening to dogma the entire time. Look like about 80% uh, yes and about... I don't know. It looked like maybe 15% no and 5% maybe. Number three, Jesus spoke in parables in order to protect his family. All right, I'm seeing a sea of no's, a sea of no's. He did not speak in parables to protect his family. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. And then I see a scattering, just a few no's and maybes, and they're about the same. And Mike just raised all three. Which is a sign that this is a trick question, and Mike, you obviously know me. We'll talk about number three in in a moment. Jesus' relationship with his family is not what you might think. And at this time, when he begins telling the parables, it is not the environment that you might think, and we're going to talk about that later on. Number four, Jesus spoke in parables so that people would misunderstand what he was saying. Ah, I'm seeing about 95% no, just a couple of yeses and a couple of maybes. I'm going to ask this one again, and I would suggest that you might try a different card. Jesus, no, I'm just kidding. We immediately think that Jesus spoke in parables because he was trying to help ignorant people People of dull minds be able to accept very complex theology. That's what I've heard growing up, that Jesus spoke in parables so that everyone would get it. Um, the unfortunate thing is we're going to be reading Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 17, which says the opposite. Jesus spoke in parables so that people who needed to understand would understand, but those that Jesus wanted to misunderstand would clearly misunderstand what he was saying on purpose. Jesus wanted a specific group of people to misunderstand what he was saying and to never be able to grasp the complexities of what he's talking about, and he wanted the dull minds to remain dull and the sharp minds to be sharpened. Jesus spoke in parables, and we're going to see this in a moment from his own mouth, because he wanted specific people to misunderstand what he was saying. He didn't want them to get it. And we'll see why, because that really doesn't come across really kind, and it doesn't come across as loving and open, and Jesus wants everyone to... to, It it doesn't come across in in the way that we would think. So obviously we need to take a look at that, right? Because any place we look at a section of Scripture where God does not look absolutely loving beyond our imagination, we've misinterpreted it, right? We've misunderstood. Number five, the parable of the sower... Challenges, uh, challenges us to scatter seeds regardless of the soil it lands. You're a little slow on the uptake here, but it looks like a majority of yeses, probably I'm looking at close to 90% yes. I'm looking at a mixture, almost equal amounts of uh, 5 and 5% five of no and maybe. So the majority of you, vast majority are saying that the parable of the sower challenges us to scatter seeds regardless of the soil it lands. That's what I've heard too. And and we're going to talk about that. So we will see. Now, Jesus often spoke in parables. Get your question and comment cards ready because I've got a question for you. What have you been taught is the reason for Jesus speaking in parables? Why did Jesus speak in parables? What were you told growing up or recently or in discussions? We'll start with Brian over here. Um, I remember reading, I, when I first became an Adventist, I was going to school and I had to write a paper for English, so I wrote on the parables. Cool. And um, so I did a, some research, and the one I always love to read is Ellen White's writings, and so I read object lessons. And the reason for the parables, what I was taught through her, was that it was to disarm the prejudices of the, 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 or the common teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees, what they had believed. So it kind of like went around uh, their, their logical thinking and um, what they had come to believe. So it kind of like uh, was to disarm them is why. Yeah, and I can see that. And, uh, yeah, and I've heard that too uh, growing up. Others of you, what have you heard is the reason why Christ spoke in parables? What what was he doing? What was he trying to accomplish in speaking through parables? There's no wrong answer. It's just what you've heard. Well, I think so that your mind would
2: remember. Your mind is able to remember a story easier yes. than just a bunch of philosophical
0: thoughts. Right, right. And if, if you can picture it physically in your mind, there's something that happens in your brain that uh, people who study brain science talk about this connection between the left and right hemispheres of the brain. And how you get something into the long term is by connecting those two, both with logical and emotional. You connect those two and it goes into the long term naturally. So I've heard that too. That's, that's amazing. And I think I think it's correct. I think, I think he did use it for that as well. Who, who else? Why, why did Christ speak in parables?
1: I think so we can think about it, search about it, and contemplate about it, instead of just go home and, oh, I like the sermon today. Exactly. So we can think and meditate, just like the book of Revelation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so we can think and search more.
0: Right. It reminds me of people who I I used to not understand until I took a survey of fine arts class in college. And I didn't understand how people could go and sit in front of a painting for long amounts of time, just looking and absorbing a painting until I took the survey of fine arts class and realized all the things I was missing because within this picture was not only a story, but there were elements of a story I would miss unless I was looking for it. And so in many of the same ways, Christ told stories, vignettes, so that we would sit there and observe different things. They say a a, a picture is worth a thousand words. It's it's that same concept of in a short amount of time, you can say so much more. I I agree. Yes, uh, right here.
3: Going off of what you were saying, um, stories, people can get out of it what they need to, um, different levels, Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's another reason why he told parables.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's totally true what he did. We're going to see something coming up that's going to blow some of your minds. Uh, Not today, but um, we're going to see that the majority of the parables that Christ spoke were actually stories that existed in his day. They were the common fairy tales, the fables of his day, and he totally messed with them. It'd be like me taking the three bears and walking you through the story, but Goldilocks ends up doing something completely different. She cleans the house. She goes and she warms up the porridge to make sure it's just right for the bears. She makes the bed. She does all these things. to be. You'd be like, no, 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 you're messing up the story. That's not the story. We're going to see the vast majority of the parables that Jesus told. Not this one that we're going over today, but the vast majority of them were him taking an existing story and completely messing it up. We have one that's in statue form right here on our campus called the Good... Samaritan. Oh, you know it as the Good Samaritan, but the people hearing it from Jesus knew it as the Good Jew. He switched the character. We'll talk about that more during this series. But Jesus used pictures that they were familiar with or unfamiliar with to try to paint these pictures so that he could speak truth into the people's lives. Very good. Yes, ma'am. I believe that
2: it was so that he could reach the common lay person... Mm -hmm and have them discern spiritual and theological principles that they wouldn't be able to grasp otherwise.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And we're gonna dig into that very deeply today. Yes, sir.
4: My parents came from the island of Puerto Rico Uh and went to New York, and a lot of families followed. And I was always thinking how strange it was to see snow for the first time. Mm -hmm. And if I were to call them in the island and say, and describe snow, it would be, they would not really understand no. until no. they first saw it. Mm-hmm. So in that context, using that as a man- metaphor, yeah. I'm thinking that Jesus had, had to use metaphors and parables to talk about this ultimate hidden reality in it. heaven.
0: I love it. Yeah, in fact, he says it in our section of Scripture. We're going to see just in a moment that he's talking about hidden secrets things that are heavenly that you can't picture, he has to help you see something, a metaphor, that is something that is different yet similar in some way so you can grasp the concept of the kingdom of heaven. I love it. Yes, back here, Sharon.
2: This is not something I was brought up with or taught, but something I just realized. And when you want to bring something to a person it's not a good idea to be confrontive Mm -hmm. you want to bring it to them in a way they would accept it absolutely and the parables would be a way time and time again when jesus used parables the people he wanted to get to saw themselves, mm-hmm. and it mentions that in the Bible, yeah. and these were like the Pharisees many times, and they would just kind of slink away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which shows us that it didn't always have a positive result, which is, uh, which is sad, but he was able to communicate in a way that obviously didn't lead to a public argument. Exactly. Over here
2: okay Yeah. similar to well i like the snow comment because but everything virtually if you want to understand some anything i think you you have to understand history the history of it or where it came from and if you don't understand the history you probably likely will not understand at least completely but anyways um at that time we had to put ourselves back there i think a little bit to you know there was no uh TV, radio, cell phones, even right. books. And no boats, no basi- lights, no motor cars. Not a single Right? Wheelchair. Yeah. I mean, you know. Um, but they did have a fire, and you know, at night, and they they told stories. Yes. And I think these stories kind of stuck in people's minds, and they were they were trained to pass stories down for hundreds of years thousands of years, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, whenever you hear someone say oral tradition, that's exactly what they're talking about, is sitting around the fire. And many times they would put it to music so that, uh, and, and in poetry, so that there was an extra way of remembering this transference. Exactly. I, I love that. Rod, you have the last statement before we go through the filter of scripture.
1: If we understand God to be <coughs> a relational God, mm-hmm. okay, when we were, courting our eventual spouses, did we come up to them and say, I love you, and I'm going to marry you? No. <laughs> you, ch- you know, you chased after them, yeah. but in a subtle way.
0: Well, hopefully yes. in a subtle way. <laughs> Many of us men have war stories of when we were not so subtle. And we wish that you would have been around Rod to give us a little input And third-person perspective, (laughs) praise God. As we look at our first parable today, we're going to open up Matthew chapter 13. This is, as theologians look at the chronology of what was the first actual parable, this ranks in most theologians' uh, list as the very first parable that Christ spoke. And we're going to see something that makes you really believe that this truly was, the very first parable because he explains something that he's about to do a lot of. Now, many people look back to earlier where he had kind of made a comparison, kind of a metaphor during the Sermon on the Mount, but in, in no way does it reach the level of story that the parable of the sower and the other parables that come after it uh, really embrace the story and try to tell theology through the story. And so many theologians uh, are fairly confident that this is the very first parable that is written down, and in chronology, it might have been the very first one that Jesus ever spoke. And so as we read this, think of Christ speaking his very first sermon illustration, a parable. And he says this in Matthew 13, Verse 3 through 17, follow along in your Bibles or your apps or follow along in the screen up front here if you are biblically impaired. (laughs) Number three, verse three, he told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much As had been planted, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? This is something new. "What, What are you doing? This is a new thing. What are you doing? Verse 11, he replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Jesus then goes on in the remaining verses of this parable to explain what he meant point by point by each of the elements of his story. What are the seeds? What are the paths? All of that. But we have to stop here and we have to ask a question because many of us have heard this sermonized or in Bible study, and we said, okay, where do I fit in the story? What's this story all about? And so I want to ask you before we go too far... As you've heard the parable over the years, what application or challenge have you been instructed to do in response to Jesus' words here? This is an easy one. This is, not, this is not a hard one. So, preacher preached this parable, and he says, now let's go do what? What's he challenged us to do? Well, go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and, and, and raise a card, raise a card, because we want to get you on a microphone. What has the leader, the spiritual leader, challenged you to do in the end of this. I heard a ton of you saying, now no one wants to raise a card. I get it. Right back here. Thank you, sir. Well, we're to go out and preach and spread out, sow our seeds to, to tell people about the gospel. Awesome. Exactly. That, that's what I've heard the most. Uh, yes or no cards. Get them out. Uh, yes or no. The challenge I've been given from this parable is for me to go and scatter seeds, become a sower. Yes or no. Challenge to become a sower, yes or no? Okay, yeah, vast majority of you, yes. I see a few no's, but the vast majority of you, yes. The moral of the story is, kids, go scatter that seed. Let's take a step back. There's a challenge here, because the next question we have here is, who are we really in this story? Who are we in this story? Are we the sower? Are we the seed, the soil, or something else? So on this one, you can, uh, once again, let's use yes and no cards. How many of you see yourself in the story as the sower? Yes or no? And don't worry, these are trick questions. Just answer. <laughs> okay, those who are answering are mostly yes, and about a fourth of them no, and a couple of them maybe. How many of you in the story, you see yourself as the seed? Uh, okay. It looks like... Yeah, you, you raise a no if, if the answer is no, because it's hard for me to see. Cool. Okay, so it looks like the vast majority of you are saying no, but there's still several of you, probably um, maybe 20 of you in this group that are saying yes. Okay? How many of you see yourself as the soil in this story? Okay. We are all over the place, aren't we? <laughs> Have you ever heard the parable of the sower? <laughs> that was a trick question. It's funny because every single week, when, when I go to do the, um, do the study for this and I'm reading all the commentaries and I'm putting in the hours to, to figure this out, every single week I'm surprised. And some of you are like, how do you come up with something new every week? It's, it's not me. It's like, how did I not know this until now? And that's what I present. And then we're all like, whoa, okay, how did I not know this till now? The problem is over time, uh, we take specific uh, stories, very cliche stories, and we run them over and over again um, and we rewrite the meaning, and we write over Christ's intention of certain stories. And so in this, we're about to have a huge surprise, and I can't wait for us to get to it, but I want a little bit more input. First, I have a a microphone here, one there, and then here. Yes.
3: So I feel like sometimes it depends on where I am in my life. Sometimes I am a sower. Yes. Sometimes I feel like I am the soil, and I need to have seeds planted in me. It really just depends on where I am in
2: my
0: life. Exactly. Beautiful. Over here. Linda. I really
2: appreciate what she just said because it's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. And that's confirmation that many of us are going through the same experience of trying to apply this parable at different points of our life. How about you? The same thing. We're all feeling this way. This is confirmation that we're all seeing ourselves at different places. And I love it because as we read through the gospel and we see what Christ says at different parts of his ministry, he is challenging us. We've got the Great Commission. Go into all the world scattering seeds, right? Okay. There are other points in in our life that Christ challenges us to be receptive, to be fertile soil. And at other times he talks about seeds, even talks about mustard seeds, specific type of seed. It talks about the faith, even as small as a mustard seed can grow a great tree. But today we're gonna take a step back and say, but what was he saying here? Because what's happened is we've applied a lot of things that he said elsewhere and we've created a compilation. And you know the problem with compilations is you lose context, and ultimately you lose the actual meaning or desire of the author to tell you what they wanted to tell you in a different context. In this context, Jesus tells a parable. If we do not take a step back and say, why did he tell this parable? Why at this moment did he tell this parable? We will completely miss what he's saying. I asked uh, in the yes and no section about Jesus protecting his family. This is one of the unfortunate issues of Jesus' life that we all, most of us, um, share in the experience. There are members of our family that just don't get you. They'll never get you. They will always be an irritant to you, and you will always be an irritant to them. You've tried to change, but the only thing that can keep you from irritating them is you becoming someone else, and you can't do it. If you think that Jesus and his brothers and sisters got along, I need to tell you the real story. The expose of Jesus' family. You don't have to read very far. In fact, it's in Mark where... Jesus' brothers and sisters come to a house where Jesus has overcrowded the house. And Scripture tells us very clearly that they came to the house, and their quote is, we've got to take him home because he is out of his mind. It's my opinion, if you look at what happens just before, those of you who have your Bibles out or your apps, you can look what happens just before the telling of this parable not only in this gospel but in the synoptic gospels all of the gospels when you place them together there is a story that happens it is jesus's brothers and sisters his family coming now matthew's version said uh, his brothers and the mother and many people have a challenge with the mother being part of the brothers coming and saying you are out of your mind we're dragging you home you're embarrassing us who do you think you are claiming to be the messiah And so many people have a hard time with Mary being there. I don't, because I know enough uh, mothers who have kids that don't get along, and the mother always tries to be there. Why? Because she has to put on the striped shirt and put on the whistle and play the part of the referee, right? Jesus, has, according to Matthew, has just been in a house, and people have told him what? Your mother and your brothers are outside. We've always assumed that they're coming to listen. They want to hear too, and no one saved them a seat at the Bible lab. Shame on them. (laughs) They're outside. This is Jesus' mom. She wants to come listen. The brothers want to come here. They all want to grow. They're excited. It's our brother. He's so amazing. Can't you see the resemblance? We're related. (laughs) That's not what was going on. I put the two stories together. Jesus is in a a house, it's overcrowded, and the family comes. Mark's version tells us they came because they think Jesus is out of his mind. They're coming to shut him up because they don't believe the message he's teaching. At the same time, the Pharisees are saying the same thing. The church does not believe in what Jesus is saying. And there's different groups of people and they're all asking questions. Could it be, does he fulfill what we've been hoping for? And there are different people, people who have been hardened because they've been over this path so many times, the ground under their feet is hard. And if you were to scatter seed on that ground, it will not penetrate the path before the birds get it. They know what Jesus The Messiah is supposed to be, and Jesus, the actual character, is not fulfilling that because the path that they've walked over again and again and again has become hard and fast. This is the way it has to happen, and He's not it. There are other people who have heard a few messages from Jesus, and there's a spark of hope, and there's a thin layer of soil But just like in Palestine where these big sheets of bedrock are right close to the surface and and, and a little bit of soil covers that because the roots of the plant cannot go deep enough down to water and moisture. When the sun comes out, they have no depth and so they wither and dry up. There are people around Jesus who they know enough to be interested in. But they don't know enough to have depth. And the first sign of heat, they shrivel up. There's another group who are in deep debate because they're definitely part of the church and they've been waiting for the Messiah, but there are individuals in the church who are saying, "Mm, couldn't possibly be, and they're choking out their faith. Thorns of doubt mixed in with the seeds of hope, the seeds of the gospel. And then Jesus says there is a fourth soil. It's deep. It's rich. It's been tilled. And Once that seed hits that, it goes to depth. And it doesn't just grow for its own sake. There's a result. There's fruit. 30, 60, and then there's a gasp in the crowd when Jesus says a hundredfold. There's no such thing in Palestine as a hundredfold. In fact, if you get 30-fold, 30, 30 seeds to every one seed you planted, you are considered a very blessed farmer. But Jesus says the impossible can happen in this place if the soil is right. Raul. The parables,
1: as um, is known in biblical studies, have different levels of meaning. And um, <clears throat> we are exploring several levels of meaning here. Yes. And this parable has connections um similar connections is similar, in fact, to another parable of the nobleman that went away to become king. Yes. And before that, he he gave minus mm-hmm. which is uh, equivalent, to minus equivalent to a hundred days of salary, a of hundred right. days. So he gave 10, but, five, and one. Yeah. And, uh, and then he came back and the one who received one did not invest it and he returned it. And, yeah. and, and the owner said, you know, you're a bad, bad businessman. Yeah. And, um, and he took it away and gave it to the one that had received ten, which mm-hmm. is similar to this. This one, the ones at the end of the parable, he says, Jesus says, and those with little understanding, they will be taken away from them. Yes. And similar. The former parable is not about investing It's about responsibility with what you receive. Whatever talent you have been given by God, use it. It's about responsibility. It seems to me that this parable that we are um, studying today, one of the levels of meaning, it has several, one of them is, are you open to understand? Are you open to, you know, what is your level of understanding and yes. your openness to it? Yes. Are you fully open to receive understanding from God? You, giving, you will be giving even more. Yes. But if you are not open or you hesitate, maybe
0: we'll take it away from you. The birds, the thorns, or the sun will take it away. You're absolutely correct. We're going to come back to the 10 minas later on in this study. What Jesus is really saying is shocking. I mean, what it says for us today as a church, what we're supposed to do, uh, it's going to make you uncomfortable. I'm really excited to make you uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) Jesus did it, so what would Jesus do? So uh, we're going to go there. But you're absolutely correct, because here's the answer that we have to all agree on. Now, I very rarely say this in the Bible lab, but this is something we all need to agree on. Who are we in this parable? The soil. We are nothing else. We are not the sower. Because Jesus is saying, look, I am here spreading some really good news about the kingdom. And the seeds are not the potential person you're inviting to a Bible study, the person you're going to bring to an evangelistic campaign, the the neighbor you brought to the Bible lab. Those are not seeds. The seed is the good news. That's all it is that the Messiah came, and he dwelt among people. But as Jesus is scattering this good news, it's falling on four different types of soils. And his question and his challenge for us is not to go be uh, just a scatter. It doesn't matter. Just scatter those seeds. It doesn't matter where it goes. It doesn't mean that that theology is wrong. It's just not what Jesus is saying here. And although it is practical for us to see ourselves in the area of the sower today and making sure that far and wide we are spreading the good news. We are called to do that regardless and not be quite so concerned as to whether that person is really getting it or not. Our concern is to get the good news out. So although that is true, Jesus isn't saying that here. He says it elsewhere, but he's not saying it here. He's saying, I am the sower. And I am scattering good news, and some of you just aren't getting it. So the question is, what type of soil are you? And how did you get there? Something we can do about this? Paths were very common in Palestine. There was no fences around your farm. And so people, we even have a story of Jesus walking through a field, right? On Sabbath, <laughs> we won't talk about what he did. Um, walking through a field. Why? Because there's a path diagonally through that field. It was a shortcut. And the farmer would just kind of plant around because he knew these people are gonna walk through here. I might as well not worry about this section here. It's just a path. And so we'd leave a path and when you're scattering seeds, some would fall on the path. Harvey.
4: One of the things that seems rather striking to me Mm -hmm. is the outcome depends on the soil and not the sower.
0: Absolutely. We just got this entire group, each person in this entire place, to say, mm, at least one time. <laughs> I've never heard a choir of mm in here before. But it's because you went to depth, Harvey. You went to depth here. What do we do about that? What do we do about the fact that the soils are different? And that's what we have to, we have to talk about. Back, back here, I have a microphone. Yes, that.
4: We can enrich the soil, ourselves, through study and relationship. Mm. I want to revisit the Good Samaritan. We all just love that they've made it an emblem on our stationery for the university. Mm. Roger Churches, who created that, was one of my art teachers. Mm. And unfortunately, artists create works of art that they think are going to last a lifetime. I don't know how many people know that is not the original statue. It is now in bronze. It was created out of granite. I was a student at La Sierra and I remember him talking about finding this perfect uh, block of granite or whatever stone that was having trouble getting here. And it was here for many years, and the head of the Samaritan was cut off overnight. If you were here, you remembered for a long time, it was in a box as they restored it. Mm -hmm. At that time, the KKK was very active in Fontana. And Mm -hmm. when we talk about understanding context, Mm -hmm. when we look at the Samaritan, we go, ooh, ah, it's so beautiful now. But he was making the point through that story that can the I, Samaritan can, was can, a, I, can yeah. I
0: pause just for a second? Sure. We're gonna go through that. Okay. <laughs> and I want to use that as a teaser. Okay. <laughs> because I want people to wrestle with it. You've yeah. wrestled with it and I love that. Yeah. But what Jesus says about this, if someone just tells you now and we don't wrestle with it, because that's gonna help us on this one a lot because he does know that the history and what happened with that statue. Uh, just last Sabbath, I was very, very fortunate to have um, several individuals from Australia and around the nation. Uh, they're studying for their doctorate, and they were meeting at La Sierra, and on Sabbath afternoon, they asked if, uh, if they could have a tour of Loma Linda University Church in the University. And so we got the big golf carts out, Pastor Miguel, Pastor Stu, myself, Joe Elf, and, uh, and Pastor Joey. And we just hosted these people, took them all over, and then got them in the golf carts. And so I had several people, as many as you can, on those big long golf carts. And I stopped by the Samaritan statue, and I explained to them the imagery that many of you have walked by, you've never noticed. There are so many hidden things in that statue. And we're going to go in detail with that, Thad. But I, I think you definitely made the point. There's things hidden within each of these that as we go through them one by one what we are going to see is that Jesus doesn't say any word by accident and what he says and I can't wait to get to that Thad because it's going to be one of the most profound moments for many of you who have walked by that statue weekly and you're going to stop and you're going to have special prayer time more than once next to that statue because it is going to mean something to you that's never meant before and it's gonna hit you so deeply. So I apologize deeply, uh, Thad. We're close enough for, for me to interrupt you um, because we're, we're best buds, um, but we're getting there. We're definitely gonna get there. Mike. I think the point that we become the soil and we're, that's the key point of us, for us in this story. The interesting part of it is for us to be good soil means we gotta grow. And in growing, we end up producing seeds yes. and sowing seeds in the future. Yes. And we can't do that unless we're good soil. I, I love that, Mike. Here's, here's the thing that most of us miss. And in, in our verbiage of trying to work the metaphor, here's something we miss. And, and, Mike, you touched on it. We have to be good soil. Absolutely. That's what Jesus is calling you to be, is good soil. But what grows... What is the seed? The gospel. So it's the gospel growing in you. It is not you growing in the gospel. It may seem simple. It may seem like semantics, but it is huge because whose gospel is it, yours or God's? And once you see yourself as the thing that's growing, it's yours. As long as you give rightful place to the good news, as this is the gospel, which I cannot believe, I am the soil in which God's gospel is growing and producing more seed to go out to all the neighboring soil around me. It is not my good news, although it's good news to me. It is God's good news That's multiplying. Now, before we get to the next comments, I want you to understand something. Jesus, who never did anything by accident, who is so brilliant that we're still today in 2019 discovering things we never knew before, he does something, even an extra layer on top of this parable. This is the first parable, right? It's called a parable. What's the word parable mean? I want you to look at your study guide because (laughs) we're all going to be like, are you kidding? Jesus is so far beyond us because the actual word parable, paraboles in Greek, is a compound word. And the two words, para, means beside, and below, balo means to throw, which means to throw beside. So his first parable is about a parable, throwing aside seed. The actual word parable means a sower throwing seeds to the side. Is that the most amazing coincidence? God, did you know what you just did there? Of course he did. He's so much more brilliant than us. He starts out defining what parables are by using a parable that fits the word parable. He's amazing. Over here.
2: Something you said about
3: the the farmer not sowing on the diagonal pathway because yes. he knew it wouldn't grow. We like to kind of hope we're deep soil and think about all the other people around us who are shallow soil or might be path. Yeah. But the path didn't choose to be a path, people mm-hmm. stepped on it. Yes. And so yes. to some extent, when it doesn't grow, It doesn't grow because the soil wasn't prepared Mm -hmm. because of what has happened to people in their lives and what they've seen and done. So it's not a question of pick, there's four options, pick the best one. It's where are you and what's happened to you and then how can you as people around you help their soil become richer rather than saying, oh, that person is in this category and I'm in this category.
0: That's brilliant, it's absolutely brilliant. That's exactly what I wrestled with In in preparing this. Because if we're the soil, without playing the part of the victim, how do we find victory? If we've grown up in the church and we've heard the same thing over and over and over again, this is a well-worn path, we're sitting during uh, church service, during Bible study, I've heard this so many times. It's hard to have a breakthrough, isn't it? And the challenge is is not that the message isn't profound. The problem is you've become hardened. What do you do when you're just beginning to become exposed to something and your depth of understanding is shallow and then persecution or hard times come? Or that I call them jerks for Jesus. Um, people in church who come to make sure that you're doing things exactly the way Jesus wants it to be done. And so you better quit, and you better go home and change before you come back, because I'm right, you're wrong, and once you're in line and doing everything the way we should do, and people wither and die. Then there's others. you finally got your soil. You realize the soil with the thorns is good soil. The thorns... And the seeds thrive because they're in good soil. That should scare all of us. And that person comes and theologically puts a chokehold on you. Doesn't want to hear it? This is their soil. And if you don't like it, you can go to some other soil. But the, these are my nutrients. This is my water. This is my spot. The marked difference between the thorn soil and the good soil is there's no thorns. There's no thorns. And all of you are saying that's impossible. It feels that way a lot. I love what you said earlier, a couple of of comments ago, about we can't choose what soil to be. We have to stop because that's what I asked. So, what's the takeaway for us if we're the soil? Just, Lord, I don't want more fertilizer. <laughs> I got enough of that. <laughs> I put up, I put up with a few loads this last this last week. Um, I don't need more fertilizer. <laughs> you you made a statement starting out saying that the sower. Uh, avoided throwing seed on the path. And it, it, that's, that's not exactly what I said. And, and if I gave that impression, I, I want to correct that. Um, scripture doesn't say that he avoided it. It just said he scattered the seeds, and some fell on the hard-packed soil, that, the path. As we look at it today, we have to ask the question, so what do I need if I'm hard-packed? If I feel like I'm being strangled or if I feel shallow in some areas that I know I, I can't take it with a little bit, a little bit of heat, what, what can I do? Um, I don't think Christ set, up, set us up in a situation where he says, well, it kind of stinks to be you. You're in that soil, so <laughs> watch out for the birds. <laughs> That's not in his character, is it? So there's obviously a role that we can take as soil to make sure that we are tilled soil. And I think the tilling is the hard part because it has to break up some of the things that are fairly solid in our life. The willingness to be tilled is what allows us to go from hard soil to fertile soil. I want to get over here because these cards shot up immediately just a little while ago. Both of you, side by side. And you won the mic, ma'am. Congratulations. (laughs) There's gentlemen.
3: I'm having a hard time wrestling with, with this because it sounds really amazing But I think as, um, I'm just going to speak for myself, I have the tendency to go to an extreme, right? In our religion, it's like, works, right? Um, So wrestling with, we're soil, how do I become better soil? How do I do it so I can allow God's seed? And Hmm. So it just, takes me back to uh, my d- uncle he works in agronomy and i think that's how you say it. um and he he was talking to us uh, my mom and i about soil so there's good soil um, you and you were mentioning fertilizer so you put fertilizer and a lot of things grow pl- um, fruits and you know vegetables but he was mentioning something that that struck me he's in high demand because he studied, um, I forget the career, but anyways, they study the soil. Yeah. And they, they measure the, v- the v- minerals and all the, the components, the nutrients of the soil. Yeah. And so what he does is he um, balances it. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know that there's really good soil when you don't need fertilizer. Um, the one that has the correct nutrients, the plague will not attack it because mm-hmm. it's balanced. Yeah. And uh, we just proved it. We went to Mexico a couple of months ago and the p- tomatoes were gorgeous, beautiful. And we said, what, my mom knew this, and she said, what fertilizer do you guys use? And they looked at each other and they said, none. And she said, you said correctly because um, your, your soil is balanced. So it takes me back to the story, and I think David knew it very well when he said, search me, oh God, and see if there's anything in me. Mm. Um, and, and I think that being soil, we don't even have to work, it speaks to God's love that we don't even have to worry about being balanced or not or being good soil or whatever. Um, It's, God, God, take an analysis, take some of my soil and my heart, analyze it, see yeah. the minerals, see the nutrients, see the bad stuff, yeah. and tell me, tell me the report, mm. and you work with me. Make yeah. me better. Yeah. Um, take the thorns out, etc., etc. Yeah. so I won't need pesticides or whatever, fertilizer, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so that kind of uh, alleviates my burden of trying too hard to be better.
0: Absolutely. That's profound, and that's a parable in itself. I see several it cards going up because that is profound. If we allow Christ to tell us, From his own lips, what did he mean by being good soil? It takes us right back to verse 12. He tried helping us understand because he didn't want us confused, and he didn't want us frustrated, and he didn't want us to try to figure out, how do I, in my own strength, become better soil so that God can then work through me? Because that's not in his character. It's not how he works. So how do we become soil? He says in Matthew 13, verse 12, To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding Will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. If you want to be good soil, you got to look at the challenge Jesus was going through. He was going through a time when people say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen. Church is right, you're wrong. Our theology is right, your theology is wrong. And Jesus says, if you'll just listen to what I'm saying, it will change your soil. So what we are doing week in, week out, asking this question, God, who are you? We want you to speak for yourself. We want to listen. We don't just want to go out and share what we know. We want to learn and then share that. By allowing God to speak for himself, by listening to his teaching, that's how we change the soil. And this week, our great challenge is to say, why would we want to change our soil? Because as you see the quote right here on the back of the sheet by J.C. Ryle, it says, the highest form of selfishness is that of the man who is content to go to heaven alone. We are not trying to be good soil so that we're in good relationship with God. If we are good soil, we are in good relationship with God. But we are becoming good soil because we want to produce 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Because that's what good soil does and that's your purpose in life. You're not called to be good soil so you have one sprig growing up so you have proof when it comes time for harvest that your soil produced a harvest. Your job as good soil is to produce 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold impossible numbers. Why? Because you care. You are not content with going to heaven. Alone. Oh, thank you so much for listening to the conversation. It really is our prayer that you will use those study guides on our website, thebibelab.com, and have your own conversations in the community that you live and really help people to grow and to ask the right questions and to seek the character of God in this way. Now I hope that you'll come back for episode 46 because we're continuing this journey to get to know the character of God through his kingdom tales, the parables. And next week, we're going to take a look at the 10 minus. Now, please do not get confused. This is not the same. It's not even close to the parable of the 10 talents. And you'll see why when we have the conversation this next week. So I invite you to come back and join us. And thank you so much for going on this journey with us to research and develop the character of God. Thank you for
1: listening to the Bible Lab podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at Programs are recorded each Saturday at 1030 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.